comes to America's future, the way forward may be to go back. Let's talk about it with Oz Guinness on Steve Brown, etc. He's an old white guy, an author, broadcaster, and seminary professor who's sick of religion. And he's brought friends. Please welcome Steve Brown, etc. Hey, we're so glad you're here, and I say it all the time and mean it all the time. You always have a place at our table. In case you're wondering, I'm Steve, the aforementioned old white guy. Our video director and one-man IT department, John Myers, is back in the tech bunker. John is the one responsible for creating this new updated version of our studio, including the cool sign that is behind me. Dr. George Bingham is the president of Key Life, and as a public service announcement, George reminds the guys that Valentine's Day is just a few days away. Right. Plus, you know, that's an opportunity to give a Valentine contribution in honor of somebody. (laughs) You know, when I look at you from here, the little halo is right over your head. That's by plan. Yeah, um, yeah. It we, looks good. It looks good on you. Yeah. <laughs> it <would> happen. <laughs> um, our, by the way, our executive producer is on a trip with kids to Williamsburg, and he will return. There are those who thought the rapture had occurred and we had been left, but he'll be back next week. That's a great place to go. Yeah, it is. In fact, uh, Oz has been there a number of times and did some teaching there, too. Uh, Our producer, Jinx, is now back in his little glass booth. And if you're a Calvinist guy wanting to meet a nice Calvinist girl, (laughs) Jinx, I think, has some lines that you might want to use. I've worked up a few. They're a little scandalous, so. (laughs) Well, you're free here. All right, here we go. Hey, girl, I heard Jesus called you. Mind if I do the same? (laughs) Ain't gonna work. Is your name Grace? Because you're irresistible. (laughs) I know we're all fallen, but I've fallen for you. Oh, you're Uh, kidding. Oh. Gosh. This is bad. I, I unconditionally elect you to be my girlfriend. Oh, unconditionally. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know what this one's about, so... I, no, I didn't write any of these. Uh, baby, if I could rearrange the letters of Tulip, I'd put you and I together. Oh, isn't oh, that Oh, my cute? goodness. Um, I missed something on that one. I don't get that one. But I'll yeah, explain good. it. <laughs> uh, go ahead. Are you have others? No, that's all. Oh, you don't get them with that. There You're is not a... elected to be... <laughs> <laughs> And Kathy Wyatt, I'm not leaving her out, is the soft feminine side of the program. Kathy, even though Lent began soon, none of us are planning to give up cookies. Just, okay. Just for your information. I'll keep that in mind. we got a great program uh, today. Oz Guinness is an author and social critic. He uh, completed his undergraduate degree at the University of London his Doctor of Philosophy degree at Oxford. Uh, He's spoken all over the world at major universities, political and business conferences, and Williamsburg, I might say. He's written or edited more than 30 books, and his latest book, 
which I hold in my nicotine-stained fingers, is titled Zero Hour America, History's Ultimatum Over Freedom and the answer we must give. And we're going to have to have Oz back really quickly because he's got another one coming out in just a few weeks. We another can't bu- keep up with him. Yeah. You, <laughs> <laughs> what's the other one? <laughs> I hope it's a little bit more positive and up. I've been suicidal <laughs> all day after reading your book. No, uh, you haven't. I would, no, are you, seriously, what are you working on now? And there's a book called Signals of Transcendence. It's a book of... 10 stories of people who set off to be searchers because a signal of transcendent, rather like C.S. Lewis is surprised by joy. Okay, that'll be great. Punctured his atheistic view and set him off as a, as a seeker. Uh, you will, I'm going to get a public commitment from you, come back on when that book is published, right? I, I'd love to, Steve. Always <laughs> enjoy being on. You and your team are fun. And we and we love having only you. one only one snag, and compared with yours, all our voices sound pipsqueak like. That's true. <laughs> did you notice how handsome I was? You, did, <laughs> you you skipped over that part, and it gets hard sometimes, just being a pretty voice. Steve, I didn't want you to know that. Steve, the book. <laughs> the book. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, I said I've been suicidal all morning because I've been reading this book. That's not true. This is not a doom and gloom book, but it is a wake-up call. Uh, Oz, tell us a little bit about it. Uh, How did you start it? What were you thinking? And where were you going? Well, you kindly had me on for my big book, The Magna Carta of Humanity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I feel the national discussion since then has got deeper, slightly more urgent, but still misses much of the urgency of the hour. And as I put it in three words, America is facing revolution, oligarchy, or homecoming. Revolution, all that we've talked about earlier, the radical left, and I would say, please, Lord, no. (laughs) Oligarchy is one that not many people have focused on, the growing gap between the elites and ordinary people so that we're closer to an aristocracy of the experts than to genuine democracy. And again, I would say, please, Lord, no. Mm. Homecoming, as you know, Steve, the Greek word, everyone knows the Greek word for repentance, metanoia. But the Hebrew word adds something else. It's not only an about turn of heart and mind and spirit. It is homecoming, back to the truth of reality and back to the Lord. Mm. And that's what America needs, coming back to its first principles. Do you see some um, uh, some helpful uh, signs? By the way, I just read, uh, and I don't know if you are even familiar with the book. Somebody gave it to me. It was Joshua uh, Mitchell's book, American Awakening. And he says that uh, that we're running out of steam, and like a drunk, you don't get better until the choice is you're either going to die or you're going to quit drinking. And he says America's kind of getting at that point. I see that sometimes. I see a lot of things that were uh, touted as the answer, the reset, 
the thing that's going to make the whole world better kind of utopian stuff that people are beginning to say, you know, this isn't working. Are you seeing that or is that just a hope that I turned into a reality? No, I'm with you. But I would say a backlash, and there certainly is a mounting backlash now to wokeism across the board. But a backlash is not a renewal. Yeah. And we need to have a stress not only what's wrong with the radical left, but what's right with the great first principles of the American experiment, most of which come from the book of Exodus and Deuteronomy. I haven't read Josh's book. I know him. I agree with him on the choice. I think we're nearer to Moses. You know, is it life or death? <laughs> yeah. A blessing or a curse? America has to choose. Which revolution? You know, there is a sense, as I read your book, I'm thinking, you know, I don't know what to do. I can vote, and I can pray, and I can use the microphone God has given me to speak truth. We can interview Oz Guinness, but but we don't have that much power to make a change or that much connection to the elite or to the power sources in our country? Well, we can certainly all vote, and that's a very important part of citizenship. But I would say, think more broadly. The institutions that are absolutely vital to freedom are things like the family, primarily, the school, and the church or synagogue. And we can all be active parts of those. Now, the tragedy is, if you look at so-called Gen Z, both in terms of faith and in terms of freedom, there's an extraordinary illiteracy. Now, that begins with parents and schools and churches. So there are things we need to do right where we are, not just at the high political level. You know, it could be uh, if uh, if uh, the book I referenced is true, um, and he says that it is that we're not post-Christian, we're pre-Christian, and that at, just like the Dark Ages, which isn't politically correct to call it that anymore, uh, it's the early or late Middle Ages or whatever. Christians kind of were in the background. And we're praying and waiting and watching to see what God was going to do. And when the devastation took place, they were ready with some answers. I'll be asking Oz on the other side of the break to comment on that. Maybe we just wait and watch and vote and hope. And when this thing self-destructs, and it's going to, people start eating each other. And the whole woke thing starts going up in flames. Maybe then uh, we can speak our truth and it will be heard. The name of the book, and you've got to read this book. You really do. It's called Zero Hour America, History's Ultimatum Over Freedom and the Answer That We Must Give. Don't go anywhere. Like Jesus, we're coming back.
Hi, this is Eric, producer of Steve Brown, etc. If you've been listening very long, you know I'm a struggling believer, and I'd love to share some things that have helped. At Key Life, we believe that the deepest message of the ministry of Jesus and the Bible is the radical grace of God for sinners and sufferers. And we have four mini books that'll help you believe that no matter what you've done or what you're going through, God's not mad at you. Feeling Guilty, Suffering, and Faith and Doubt by Steve Brown will help you apply healing biblical truth to where it hurts the most. And my mini book, The Gift of Addiction, How God Redeems Our Pain, shows that coming to the end of ourselves is actually the beginning of faith. These four mini books are in the Grace for Sinners and Sufferers mini book combo, and it's available at keylife.org for a suggested donation of $12. They're also individually available for a suggested donation of $4. Hey, thanks for being with us. We're talking with one of our favorite guests and one of my heroes, speaker and social critic, author, Oz Guinness. And his new book, and you really need to get this book, and you need to give it to everybody you care about. Uh, it's called Zero Hour America, History's Ultimatum Over Freedom and the Answer That We Must Give. Oz, before the break, uh, I brought up the Dark Ages, and uh, I understand that the politically correct will be upset that I call it the Dark Ages, but they were. It was social decline and economic decline, horrible things during that time, and the Christians were in the background. And uh, eventually, when everything was in shambles, Christians came forth with their truth, and people were willing to listen, and it was a precursor, and I may be wrong about all of this, to a true awakening in many areas. Would you comment, is, is today another Dark Ages period, or is it something quite different? Well, you're absolutely right that the roots of Europe, and the, therefore the West, were barbarians. And, and the Dark Ages is a good word for much of that. In other words, the Roman and Greek empires and civilizations had been eclipsed. And the West is the child of Christendom. And all that followed it. You're absolutely right. But I would see, say, Marxism and the radical left as a Christian heresy because hmm. they major, even in a distorted way, on a biblical view of justice. Whereas, say, National Socialism, Nazism, and all that, they were truly pre Christian and pagan. And we could well go back to a mixture of both of those, which would be incredibly dangerous. And of course, Germany is the warning. There was the heartland of the Reformation, the most cultured, best educated, civilized country in the world, let alone Europe. And as it's often said, the worst is the corruption of the best. So you can see outbreaks of decadence. You take the Balenciaga scandal earlier this year about pedophilia. You can see there are signs of decadence in this country. We are probably entering the equivalent of the Weimar period in Germany. Mm. And uh, is that, you know, I want to say that's bad, but it may be good, right? Well, 
remember with the barbarianism, there was no faith before, and so they were rightly won by the gospel. But much of what's happening today is because Christians are not engaged. We're called to be salty and light-bearing, but we're not engaged, and we can't just let it go to rack and ruin. I think that's incredibly sad. The way I put it is this. If you look at the Hebrew Republic in Exodus, one of the features is a reciprocal responsibility, everyone for everyone, the three musketeers, one for all, all for one. Now, that should be true of we the people, a collective solidarity of citizenship. So when Christians, particularly evangelicals, opt out, they're really, it's not only a betrayal of discipleship, it's a betrayal of citizenship. Mm. So we can't just let it go to rack and ruin and say, well, well, when it falls apart, we'll pick up the pieces. No. Part of the degeneration is our responsibility through disengagement. Good. Kathy? Oz, um, before you even before the book even starts, there are, uh, there's a list in the beginning of of quotes from a number of different individuals, and I read those first before I even started into the book. And one in particular um, stood out to me: the Arnold Toynbee quote, which says, "Of the 22 civilizations that have appeared in history, 19 of them collapse when they reach the moral state the United States is in now." I got to tell you, that scared me a little. <laughs> yeah, that's encouraging. Can, yeah, can, would you comment on that one, on that a little bit? Good, great question, Kathy. You know, historians talk about a civilizational moment. In other words, every civilization go from the Egyptians and the Chinese right through to the Romans and the Greeks. They're all inspired by something. They have a dynamic, but there comes a certain point when the civilization loses touch with whatever made it great in the first place. And at that point, the civilization is faced with three broad options. One, renewal of the original inspiration. Two, replacement. And three, decline. And of course, if you think, all the previous 10 or so civilizations are only found in museums. Why do we think that Western civilization, of which America is the lead society, will not be in the museums in a couple of hundred years unless there's a renewal in a profound way today? So people need to take seriously. This is an incredible moment for the American Republic as well as for Western civilization. Oh, man. Do you, are you hopeful? Do you uh, see signs? <laughs> no, I don't mean the Jesus thing. I know that. No, I mean, well, I, he's no. in charge and all, but, you know, uh, it may be we're not his favorite anymore, you think? <laughs> well, that could well be. And in other words, judgment is God's leaving people very often to the consequences of their own settled stupid choices. Yeah. And America will reap some of the bitter harvest of many of the choices of the last generation. Now, that's true. But when you say he's in charge and all, I think that makes all the difference because our hope, sure. our family motto, the Guinness family, the brewery and so on, spes mea in Deo. My hope is in God, comes from the Psalms. Wow. So, of course, we hope for that. Whatever happens in our civilization, and as you know well, 
the global church in Asia, Sub-Saharan Africa, other parts of the world is immensely strong. But just imagine if there were an awakening and a renewal in the West, and we joined forces with the global community of the Christian community to really lead the world forward to a better day. Now, we're, we're living and playing for incredible stakes in this generation. Boy, we really are. And I, you know, and I, I kind of feel like it could go either way. You know, I, I'm, I'm, as you know, orthodox, evangelical. I do know that God's in charge, but God doesn't play favorites unless you have a Jewish name. And, uh, and I, you know, and I'm worried about what's going on in our country. And, uh, and I... The Lord was... Go ahead. The Lord was pretty tough on the Jews. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What was it? Moses said, it's not in the scripture, but I have it on good authority that on numerous occasions, Moses in his prayer said, Lord, could you choose somebody else? (laughs) (laughs) Guys, you got to get this book. You really do. It's not one you're going to laugh and have fun with, but it'll make you think. And it's the kind of thinking that we as Americans need to engage in a lot more than we have. It's by Oz Guinness, Dr. Oz Guinness, Zero Hour America, history's ultimatum over freedom and the answer that we must give. Listen, this is hard work. We're going to rest and come back. From Key Life comes two mini books. What do you do for a living? And Life After Retirement. What Do You Do for a Living by Justin Holcomb addresses the problem of defining ourselves by what we do and how we perform in our work instead of by who we know. A gracious, loving God who defines who we are. Life After Retirement by Steve Brown examines how those transitioning from work to retirement often experience a loss of purpose in life and how the quest for personal significance can best be answered by God's radical grace, love, and purpose for our lives sufficient to carry us through this transition. What do you do for a living and life after retirement can help guide people struggling with either work or retirement? These two Key Life mini books are available through keylife.org for a donation of $6. We're so glad you're here. Uh, We're hanging out with uh, Oz Guinness, one of our favorite people, author, speaker, teacher, social critic. You can keep up with him at OzGuinness.com and on Twitter at OzGuinness. Oz, um, early in the book, you talk about uh, George Washington and his use of the phrase living under our own vine and fig tree. And um, uh, can you talk a little bit about, you know, him kind of referencing uh, some scriptural references with that? can you talk about that, where it came from, and, and what he was meaning with that? Well, I love the fact that Washington 
refers to that verse 49 times in his letters and other writings. Mm. Ah. Uh, Above all, most famously, to the Jewish synagogue in Newport, Rhode Island. It obviously comes from Micah or uh, Chronicles, and it's not only looking uh, forward to the end times when the Messiah comes. You can see in the time of Solomon that Israel was so much at peace that everyone had local freedom and self-rule, and the phrase used was they lived under their own vine and fig tree. Now, that's incredibly important today. Because if you look, say, at the global resetters from Davos, they look at global problems, population, war, pandemics, and then they create global and necessarily authoritarian answers, and they edge closer and closer to the so-called One World Republic that H.G. Wells forecast. In other words, authoritarianism, Tower of Babel style. The issue today is sovereignty as well as freedom. Do we have personal responsibility at the individual level, the local level, the national level, as well as the global? And Washington's constant quoting of that wonderful biblical verse, living freely under our own vine and fig tree, is the epitome of the importance of the local. Catholics call it subsidiarity, but that's a rather complicated term. And Uh, The the Bible's term that Washington used, much more simple. We'll never have freedom if we only have it at the global level or the national level. We need freedom, self-government at the local level, under our own vine and fig tree. Although, of course, it'll be in a a condo or an apartment or a house or something like that (laughs) today. Mm. It's a great idea. Mm. really is. Wendell Berry style. Well, and... and uh, you made a reference off the air to the to the idea of the collective's uh, efforts in in responding, but it does seem like there's a a, a distinction because certainly the uh, leftists will make reference to the collective, but you're really referring to it more as the the individuals uh, making a collective effort. Would that be right? And starting from their own vine and fig tree? Well, remember that biblically speaking, as well as historically speaking, as Reinhold Niebuhr says, the bookends of history are anarchy, at one extreme, all freedom, no order, like the conditions before the flood, and authoritarianism, all order, no freedom, like the Tower of Babel. And the way of Exodus, the covenant way, and later the constitutional way, is ordered freedom. But it can't just be in Washington, the three branches of government. It's got to go right down to the states and right down to the local communities. And people like Wendell Berry are absolutely right. Freedom depends on that local and family freedom flourishing, as well as national freedom. Do you think that uh, some people don't want to be free, that they like the idea of somebody else making the decisions, somebody else deciding what they do and where they go and what they read and what they consume, and they're perfectly capable to give that to higher powers? And that scares the spit out of me. No, you're absolutely right, uh, Steve, and that's why... When there's anarchy, 
This is what Thomas Hobbes talks about in Leviathan. Life is nasty, brutish, and short, war of all against all. Then you're prepared to give up your freedom, and you give it to the state, what he called the mortal god, Leviathan, the government. Mm. So you swing from anarchy to authoritarianism, and that's an absolute disaster. Now, the simple fact is that freedom, choice, includes responsibility. But humans often don't like responsibility. And so out of a fear of responsibility, many people would give up their freedom and become dependent on the nanny state or whatever it is. So what you're saying is absolutely critical today. We've got to get people who understand freedom, including being trained to take responsibility for their freedom. Man, that is so good. And such a, and it's the call of this book. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want anybody to be my mother. Uh, I love freedom. I teach on it and I live on it and I pray for it. And you ought to, too. And a good place to start in thinking about these issues is in this book I hold in my nicotine-stained fingers. Zero Hour America, History's Ultimatum Over Freedom and the Answer That We Must Give. And so if you like government to be your mother, if you don't like responsibility, if you don't want to be involved in the direction of your own life, if you want to just sit back and vegetate, then go ahead and die. I grew up in the mountains where there were lots of fireflies. I'd catch them and put them in a jar. The problem was the next morning, they'd be dead. Jesus said to the religious people of his day that they would travel land and sea to get one convert and make him worse than he was before. We do that sometimes. We, we put new Christians in a jar of rules and regulations and their light grows dimmer and dimmer. And then they die. Christians, like fireflies, need to be free. Don't forget about God's unconditional love and forgiveness and, and your light will shine. I'm Steve Brown. You think about that. Hey, share what you just heard with a friend. Go to youthinkaboutthat.com. We're talking with Oz Guinness. And uh, one of our favorite things to do. We have never... I've never read one of his books or interviewed him uh, on this program and others that I didn't come away thinking new thoughts and feeling a little bit better. Uh, That didn't mean that I stopped being a cynical old preacher. It just meant less cynical than I was before. And I am told by everybody in the control room and in this studio and Oz Guinness that I was a bit harsh when I <laughs> said I hope you die. I kind of like that. So I, <laughs> Keep him in the workhouse. So I want to I publicly repent 
but you will. Do I have to <laughs> keep going down this road? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, uh, a lot of the uh, challenges that the society is going through is the uh, undermining of the whole concept of truth and, and objective truth. And uh, you uh, make a reference uh, and say some of the commonly accepted ideas and movements such as postmodernism, identity politics, critical theory, and so forth owe nothing to 1776 and everything to 1789, uh, making a distinction between the American and the French Revolution. Could you uh, kind of expand on that a little bit? And um, I mean, other than a multi-volume, you know, treatise on it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the roots of postmodernism are pretty obvious. They're very much French. Foucault, Derrida, Lyotard, and people like that in the 1960s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. But more interestingly, say the sexual revolution, most people would blame it on Hugh Hefner, Playboy, uh, permissiveness, the pill, and things like that. In other words, go back to the 60s. But actually, the sexual revolution goes all the way back to the same quarter in Paris, the Palais Royal, as the political revolution. Mm. And it was designed to be revolutionary and subversive from the beginning. So if you read, say, later architects like Wilhelm Reich, he's quite open. We're out to undo 3,000 years of civilization. And he says quite openly, and we should have been warned, the revolutionaries have two enemies. One, the church, and two, parents. So there's a huge concern today about parental responsibility and so on. But Reich says back in the 1920s, we want to introduce sex education at three and four to sideline parents because parents, the family and so on, are fundamental to the pillars and foundations of our Western and Christian civilization. We should have been forewarned. And they all go back in different ways to Paris. So there, when we talk about, all right, I see it, and there, there's something, is there anything I can do other than pray and hope? And of course there is. You can be involved in your church. You can recognize that the church is hated by the people who would destroy your freedom. And one of the ways that you preserve your freedom is to go back to the church. Augustine said, she's a prostitute, but she's my mother. And you must remember the mother part. You must stand with her and with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And and then remember your family. A strong family is, aside from the church, the strongest bulwark where we can be free of free people. As in the first section and in the or in the first segment and the last segment and then again in this segment, um, the subject of the family ha- has come up. At the beginning, we were talking about you know you know what can you do? Uh, this is you know what can you do other than vote or whatever? And and it, it kept coming down to talking about uh, talking about the family, etc. And one of the things, and this is just in my little corner of the world, but one of the things that I've noticed over these last um, several years is the growing number 
number of families, parents who, um, and I see it a lot in Florida because uh, people, we really push for families and parents to have um, control over what they want their children to learn, et cetera. And there's this growing number of parents who are removing their children from public education, putting them in private education, Christian education, in the hopes of beginning, you know, to build and and strengthen their families in addition to what they do at home. Is this, if this is right, if this is really happening, is this the beginning at this level of what we could see at some point down the road of th- as far as things beginning to change? I, I would call it an understandable tragedy. Tragedy in the sense that the public schools used to carry the heart of the American motto, a pluribus unum, Mm -hmm. out of many, one. What gave Americans the one, integrated them as Americans? It was civic education in the public schools. So if that collapses, which is done, now you have Howard Zinn, the 1619 Project, and so on, the public schools have failed to be the civic carriers of freedom. So that's a tragedy. And really, they need to be renewed, but they're not being. So the switch the other way. Now, it's important. Christians must not just take to Christian charter schools and so on as a flight, but as the freedom to really ground their children in a strong biblical alternative worldview so that we become countercultural again. Mm -hmm. So to the degree it's a flight and triggered by fear, it'll lead to nothing. But to the degree we turn out young people who really know their faith, understand their freedom and so on, that would be incredibly important. Arm, have, have we been silenced? And we don't have much more time, but I'd like for your comment. Are, have we been intimidated and silenced by the left and we're afraid to do what needs to be done? No, absolutely. But remember, before we were silenced, we were silent. And that's part of the problem, too. But the left is totalitarian. If we had more time, you could show how they build it up. But they, you know, they want tolerance, but they end up with no tolerance for anyone who opposes them and therefore canceling and silencing them. Oz, uh, I know how busy you are and to take your time to be with us means more than you know. And I hope this book gets uh, gets read all over this country by Christians and non-Christians because it is maybe, eh, I can't say that, but maybe uh, it is one of the most important books that you've ever written. Zero Hour America by Oz Guinness. Oz, whenever you come on this program, you get three free sins. Uh <laughs> Use them very carefully. Um, I have it on good authority that you're way behind. (laughs) (laughs) Oz, your gift. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Hey, guys, we're going to come back for a little bit at the end of the program, and we'll tell you who we're going to do this to next week. And as always, you're going to be intrigued and amazed and please, and won't want to miss it. But now, cookies and milk as we rest and then come back. 
Hi, this is Eric, producer of Steve Brown, etc. If you've been listening very long, you know I'm a struggling believer, and I'd love to share some things that have helped. At Key Life, we believe that the deepest message of the ministry of Jesus and the Bible is the radical grace of God for sinners and sufferers. And we have four mini books that'll help you believe that no matter what you've done or what you're going through, God's not mad at you. Feeling Guilty, Suffering, and Faith and Doubt by Steve Brown will help you apply healing biblical truth to where it hurts the most. And my mini book, The Gift of Addiction, How God Redeems Our Pain, shows that coming to the end of ourselves is actually the beginning of faith. These four mini books are in the Grace for Sinners and Sufferers mini book combo, and it's available at keylife.org for a suggested donation of $12. They're also individually available for a suggested donation of $4. Thanks for spending an hour with us. We loved having you and Oz Guinness. By the way, if you enjoy the show and other programs on keylife.org, would you help us tell others about it? It's as easy as clicking like and share and subscribe. And it really does help. Now, if we have offended you, I ask your forgiveness. If I've said things that make you say, I'll never watch or hear anything that man does, I repent. And I repent in sackcloth and ashes. So now that I've repented and you're a Christian, you have to forgive me. So do what I said. Tell others about this uh, by uh, clicking like and share and subscribe. That was a great interview. I, I love talking to him. He blows me away with the depth of his knowledge, uh, being involved in uh, historical uh, roots almost as if he were there. And he's right. And I think what I said and and he agreed with, and I'm always pleased when Oz Guinness agrees with anything that I say. But uh, when, when, um, when I said there, people are being intimidated into silence. Don't let them do that to you. There's that wonderful movie network where the guy goes crazy on television and uh, they keep him on because the ratings are going up. <laughs> and one of the things he does, and he does really dumb things, but he does some things that are smart. Um, he has everybody in America, and I'm not, this is a quote, I'm not saying it, so don't send me letters. Go to the window of their apartment or if they're standing in the street or wherever they are to shout at the top of their lungs, I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. Well, there needs to be some of that kind of thing going on in America right now, too. You don't have to use the cuss word, but you can be mad as heaven and say, I'm not going to take it anymore. Don't let them do that to you. Don't let them silence your love for the church and the country and the past and your family and truth and freedom. Man, I sound like I'm preaching. I didn't mean to do that. But, uh, Let's take up a collection. Yeah, we'll pass it. <laughs> Who's going to be on next week? Next week, Chad Bird. Uh, his book is titled Limping with God. And I was 
just ready to call and get him when his he and his family experienced just a horrible tragedy yeah. when they lost their son. And so I set it on the back burner for a while, and so now he's coming, and I'm looking. We're really looking forward to it. Be a great Good man. Hey, you guys, join us. Same time, same place. Between now and then, don't do anything we wouldn't, and that gives you a wide, wide berth. <laughs> Just change it, not fine. <laughs> That's right. You're halfway there anyway. <laughs>